Welcome back to another episode of Starving Artists. I have a very exciting episode today. Uh, I can't even uh, express to you guys how excited I am to welcome uh, my close friend, McGarrett Allen, to the podcast. What's up, man? Hey, LJ. How are you? I'm doing good, man. It's, it's good to see you. It's good to be here. It's good to have a day off to be able to do this. <laughs> I, so we started talking about this back in August. <laughs> we finally made it happen in uh oh. what are we in june <laughs> yeah it is. we're literally like a year almost a year out of it uh, but, but it's happening um so for, for those of you listening who don't know you should know because he's amazing but he is an author and uh if you haven't yet pick up every single one of his books and give give uh, give them all a read um so uh, Garrett, i i don't know if you've heard the podcast but i always start these things off uh asking the guests where they're from and uh, asking, you know, what was that moment for you when you realized that this writing is what you wanted to do? Well, I'm actually uh, born and raised here in Tampa, Florida. Um, but I always say that um, my father was from Michigan and my mother from Massachusetts. So I'm a bit of a product of the North. They were Northerners, <laughs> but I was raised here in Tampa, actually in South Tampa. Um, I think, um, you know, I had a story in my head for probably 15 years, and it was based on a very specific event that happened to me. And I just kept talking about it and talking about it. And when I started to research, you know, how to write, because I really hadn't done a whole lot um, prior to that point, it was probably 1995 when I got the story idea, but I didn't put pen to paper until 2012, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. And but I'd research, you know, how to write because I'm kind of a left brain analytical guy, even though I have this creative side. So I kind of have this interesting dichotomy at times. And but I did, I needed to know how to do it. I couldn't just dive in. I needed to figure it out and you know write an outline and the whole nine yards. But everything I read, every advice I got from um, authors was just start writing. Mm -hmm. And when I started writing that story what immediately grabbed me and told me at that moment that this is what I wanted to do was I was able to infuse my personality into the main character very easily because it was based on an event that happened to me. Mm -hmm. um, but writing me and being able to be me times 10 and say some of the things that I've thought but never vocalized or do some of the things I thought about doing but never did, the freedom of letting that character kind of do what I, you know, had dreamed or, or didn't have the guts to do in real life, just absolutely just grabbed me. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I can be anybody and, and, and do anything in these stories. And that's what grabbed me. And the, the first, it was a short story and it was just so well received and did so well. And, and I was so excited and that, that was it. It grabbed me and I just ran from there. That's amazing. So you said 2012, right? Was, yeah, I, actually, I didn't start writing till 2012. So let me, let me, how old were you in 2012? Can I ask that? Yeah, you can. It's not <laughs> a big secret. Um, so we're in, what are we in 2020? So that's eight years ago. So I was 43. So it was, oh, that cr creativity in your brain, the, the thought of the story had, had been in your mind for so long. Um, was it fear or just uh, maybe fear of inadequacy or, or, or what might it have been that made you wait so long to do it since it had been on your mind? You know, I, I got, I, I was heavily working out for about 11 years, you know, five days in the gym. I was working a regional job um, and I was traveling four states 
And I think I was more into the physical thing and, you know, being out there and I was golfing and, and doing all these outside physical activities. So I think I was just in that stage of my life where I was in really good physical shape. And so I was enjoying that aspect, but I always had this tug, you know, on the others and that emotional side and that artistry side. And my work did allow me, I wrote policies and procedures for work. Um, I was able to put together, you know, a lot of documents for the company. Um, so that kind of, that kind of helped me get, you know, scratch the itch, so to speak, you know, artistically. And then, um, unfortunately, when I got laid off in 20, oh God, it was, it was 2014. So I'd already written the short story. And then I just said, you know what, that's it. I need to pick up where I left off. And then I wrote six more short stories and completed it. So it's a seven short story collection. And that was it. The story just came alive and came out of me. But I think the circumstances had to happen where I wasn't traveling. I had stopped working out, unfortunately. But, you know, sometimes you got to sacrifice things, right? I mean, something's got to give. You don't want to sacrifice the family. You don't want to sacrifice income. So golf, the, you know, working out, those sort of things just sort of went to the, to the wayside. But it's worth it. You got to give up something to get something sometimes, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's incredible that you found this passion like at you said 40 when you said 40 oh, 43 yeah yeah so that i mean i think that's amazing um because yeah i think of from me with with acting i've been passionate about it since i was eight right so i i, I think oh you know this is always what it's gonna be but then i found my passion for writing um two years ago when i wrote a dream so i think it's i think it's you know, it's something that I never really thought of until recently, how you can keep discovering different things that you're passionate about, uh, maybe something that you didn't realize that you were good at. Um, so, so, and I think knowing you and, and having these conversations with you helped me realize that you can keep finding different things that you're passionate about uh, and, and, and definitely grow that muscle uh, in whatever that may be. You know, and it's interesting because, you know, you're, you know, a rapper, and you're amazing. I, I, when I first saw you rap, I, that is not happening. He's dubbing that or something. I had no <laughs> idea that could come out of you. And it was just amazing. So, but I've always thought this, I, I've always been a little, not jealous, but I guess envious of singers and songwriters. And because they, they put together, they, they have to tell a story, but they only have three minutes, three and a half minutes or whatever. You know, I can use the $80,000 book and tell my story, you know, and get it all out there. But you guys got three and a half minutes and you have to become the characters in that three and a half minutes. And then you have to convey it through song, through inflection, through tone, and, and literally act it out. Yeah. So when I see actors, or I'm sorry, singers become actors, it's a natural progression from my perspective. I'm like, of course, they're already doing it, yeah. right? So yeah, so to be that multi-talented, it's like, yeah. Um, for me, you know, I kind of, I did a lot of writing, as you know, and then you allowed me to have a very small, amazing part in a dream. I was so excited to play yeah. retail manager, not a stretch at all, but it was, <laughs> you but, I, it, yourself. but I knew, I knew how to do it. So it was an easy bet on your part. So it's all good. But um, <laughs> it was the most amazing experience. And you know, I've done so many interviews and radio shows and TV shows that cameras literally just they I don't even see them the lights mm -hmm. and the cameras I don't even see them you know yeah. so there's there's no issue there for me to get out there I think the only thing um, I was worried about was not 
I, I, I forgot my lines like uh, once or twice. I remember that, but I didn't really worry about it. It was more, I didn't want to hold up production. That was my concern. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be the amateur that slowed down the professional. <laughs> right. Well, I, I, I remember that day because that was my favorite day on set. There were only eight days, but that, that, that specific day, that location, the people that were there, uh, just stand out in my mind. And I remember feeling so bad for you because different things pushed us back. Some of the other actors, like you're, you're mentioning now, forgetting their lines or not being able to get through a scene without breaking or whatever, just pushed us so far, far behind schedule. And I felt bad for you because you were probably there like six hours, five oh. hours. No, I got there at one and I left it, I think, I think it was after one in the morning. I think it was 12 hours. No, yeah, I know. But I meant like before we used you for the first time. Oh yeah. Well, I no. don't care. I was meeting the other, well, the other actors, the real actors. I wasn't <laughs> talking to those folks. I was reading over my lines and, you know, compulsively. Um, I was having a blast and just watching mm -hmm. the whole thing play out. And, you know, I don't know if anybody watching this doesn't know about a dream, but you know, like you said, eight days you put together this movie, and it was, um, I don't know, that, I, I don't have those kind of organizational skills. I can manage a hundred other people to do it for me, but I couldn't do it myself like you did, so kudos. Uh, and I know, you know, there's always going to be a part for you in whatever I do, so, so get you, ready. There's more stuff coming. Uh, more so, retail management positions. <laughs> after after you your your short your all of your your short stories were finished that you compiled into a book, um, what was that that next book for you? What was that? How did that story come to you? I, I can't think of the name of it. So the next book was actually prompt, you know I say that it's my favorite, but they're all so different, and and I they 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 represent so many different things, but. What happened was everything clicked. So the seven short stories were based on experiences that happened to me told through fictional characters that I loosely based on me and, and other people in my life. And everyone kept asking me, do those things really happen? Do those things really happen? And I said, yeah. And I said, you know what? Let me just write chronologically what happened to me from the time I was 12 years old to 2014 when I released the book, every metaphysical paranormal experience I've had, how I view life, how I view loss, I had experienced some loss at that point in my life, and, and where I thought I was going and, and, and how, how Gare sees the world, so to speak, if anybody cared, you know, but I wanted to get it down because, you know, you don't know this yet, but when you get to my age, you start to forget things, and unfortunately, memories start to fade, but they also kind of start to combine. Right. So you'll remember going to the circus with Joe, turns out later it was John, you know, like, oh crap, <laughs> you know, I forgot. So you want to keep those preserved. And I thought, what a wonderful way to preserve memories as well. So I wrote yeah. a book called The Dead. And it was the first book I wrote that went to number one in three categories on Amazon at the time. And I was just so proud of it. And it was the, it was the best written book that I had ever written because it was literally written from my perspective and it was chronological. So it kind of helped that left brain analytical side of me because I could do it in order and it just flowed out of me. And, and when something flows out of you, as you know, artistically, you know, it's right. It's yeah. when you're forcing something that you know, you're not getting it correctly. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and, and a lot of artists get that. And so that book just flowed out of me. And I think, I don't know, two months, that's that's amazing i and that's exactly that's exactly it like especially like when we just we just mentioned a dream the chronological because a dream is my life it's, it's, i'm not i won't say it's an autobiographical story but i think as as and i don't i've only written 
I mean, I've written other stuff, but that's the only thing that's been out there. So I don't want to call myself a writer, but I think writers pull from their own life in different elements and different characters and, and, and stuff like that. So um, when you, when you write from, from those stories, the short stories to that first book to books now, um, how do you decide what um, pieces of you that you want to pull out, flesh out in different characters or in different stories? You know, one of the things I, I learned back when I was researching, you know, how to write, um, write what you know. And at this point, you know, I kind of started writing later in life, but that was good because I had a lot of experience to draw, draw from mm -hmm. and I knew what I was writing about. And I decided to, I, I, I mean, everything's out there. I mean, everything about me is out there. I mean, every experience and my attitude toward thing and, and, you know, good, bad, or otherwise. And I got a couple pretty hard hits from people that say, oh, well, you know, I don't agree with that or whatever. And I was like, mm, sorry. So because the, the, to answer your question, it's it, you pull from the honest, sincere parts, right? 95% of the people, I think, who read your work or, or interact with you will respect the fact that you're being genuine. Mm -hmm. and honest. They may not dig it or, or agree with it, but at least you'll get the respect from them, right? That that's mm -hmm. how you're coming from. Where, that's where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. And plus it gives you an opportunity to say, hey, here's what I think. And then you can kind of discuss it if there is some sort of opposition or, or disagreement. And the struggle I had though was, okay, I've got a scene with a 14 year old girl. It's like, oh, how, how the hell do I write that? You know? Mm -hmm. So I had, okay, great. I've got a niece who's 14. Perfect. So I'm going to channel my niece for that. So I started to channel other people that I knew in my life um, to be those characters and to give, to pay homage to them. Like if I were to write about, like I wrote about my friend Scott, I changed the name to Sean. I'd keep the first letter that way. It was a different, but it was, I was giving, you know, paying homage to, to my friend and use, you know, elements of his personality or his experiences. And everybody just appreciated it. They, you know, thought it was amazing and I was giving kudos to them. But sometimes they were like, do I do that? I'm like, yeah, that's you, man. <laughs> like, okay, that's okay. Cause it's honest and sincere, right? Now, now I'll be, I'll be dissecting your books. All right, does this character have an L? Let's, is this me? Like, <laughs> I'm going to be paying close you to didn't, Yeah. <laughs> you didn't read about LC in that last book that I wrote? <laughs> <laughs> you missed um, that, huh? <laughs> so so you have such a, a deep connection with the uh, paranormal stories um what what formed that connection so what, what what made you uh so intrigued in the paranormal you know i didn't go looking for it i'm i'm not a paranormal investigator or a ghost hunter I honestly did not go looking for this stuff. Now I went after the metaphysical side of my life. I, I did go through a period where I was, I was reading books on reincarnation. I was having um, uh, regressions and hypnosis and things like that. Um, but you know, the first thing that happened to me was I was 12 years old and I was in bed and my bed, my bedroom was at the top of the stairs and I was just lying there and the family dog was at the foot of my bed and without warning the, the bed just lifted off the ground a couple inches and it wobbled a little bit and then it just dropped and it was a very heavy wood uh, bed and my dog jumped up my my limbs moved you know giving me proof that this actually happened and I'm just frozen in terror and just then my brother had been walking up the stairs and my door was sort of 
open just a little bit and he pushed it open the rest of the way and the light from the hallway came in and he goes, what was that noise? And I, you know, again, giving me more confirmation that, you know, he had heard what had happened. And I just, I, I didn't say anything. I'm sure I was white with terror and he just shook it off as another, you know, weird little brother moment and walked off. Yeah. And from that point, I just knew that there was something else out there. You know, I never explained why that happened. And you know, I had a lot of other experiences throughout, but it was then that I said, okay, there's something to it. And something about that experience also, you know, working retail all your life, it, it, it really just wears you down. You know, you get worn down with people and, and, and it's mundane, you know, but the money's good. But, you know, you're like, you just crave something outside of the day-to-day -day physical life kind of thing. And I think the paranormal and the metaphysical sort of say, hey, there is something different and bigger and outside of this and something outside of more exciting out of what you're doing. And I think that was the big draw for me. I was like, okay, there's something else. I'm not just wasting my life going to work, working 50 hours a week in retail and coming home and, you know, eating a TV dinner or whatever it is I'm doing, you know? Yeah. Do you, so when I was a kid, I'm curious if you've ever experienced this, um, trying to think of uh, like sleep paralysis. Um, when I, when I was a kid, I used to, is that what it's called? sleep paralysis. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, that used to happen to me all the time. And I can't really remember like specifics of it. I just remember being terrified. Uh, yeah. I remember one, actually one time I was probably like, maybe like 11. And when I was a kid, whenever I was sick, for some reason, I didn't want to sleep in my bed. I wanted to sleep in the living room. Um, and that, that's just, that was my thing. I, when I was sick, I would sleep in the living room. And I remember I was, it was, I was asleep um, and I woke up probably about midnight or something like that, if I remember correctly. And um, I think the TV was on and I was like stuck. And it was the first time that it happened. And it's probably why it's the only one that sticks in my brain, but um, I was stuck. I couldn't move. And it was like this uh, like little round ball of light um, that was like, if you've ever had like a bouncy ball and you've been in a room and you've thrown it at the ground and it bounces all over the walls, it was kind of like that, but it was, it was light. And I just remember being terrified and like telling my family about it and they're like, oh, it's just a bad dream, you're fine. But it happened, it happened a lot for a couple of years of, of different things like that. So have you ever had any experience like that? Wow, not like that. I've never experienced the bouncy ball. I mean, you know, I've seen, apparitions and the sleep paralysis I definitely had um, when I was younger. And not only was there, I'd wake up and, and I couldn't move, but I was trying to scream. And of course your voice won't even work. Although you can kind of just faintly hear the air coming out, but you're trying to have a full on scream, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I do remember knowing that there was someone right behind me, you know, but I couldn't turn and look. Um, but yeah, I've had a, a lot of different experiences in the sleep. You know, I, I read I read up on that, and there was a thought that well, there were a lot of explanations, and the most common one was you were astral projecting, and as you were coming back in, you consciously woke up before you fully came back in. You know, your mm -hmm. your spirit came back in your body, and so you didn't have control of the motor skills. That was the metaphysical explanation of the most common one, mm -hmm. um, and then right behind that was you were being attacked. That, that makes sense. Like, it makes me, I don't know if you ever, ever saw the movie um, Insidious. I did. And, and that, because that's kind of, what was it? What did you say? Astral. Um, Astral projection. Cause that, and that was a big theme in, in that, that movie. And uh, I, 
there, I felt always felt like that was kind of like similar in, in, in a sense there. I don't know. Yeah, why. I, I'd like to go with that because number one, you know, if you're astral projecting, you know, you're doing something like that. It's you, you're in control and it's your situation. Maybe scary, but at least it's you. Yeah. You know, the idea of, of something, you know, harmful or another entity or spirit or whatever, something like that coming into your bedroom and, and attacking you or that bothers me on a couple levels, not just the obvious that you're being attacked by something unseen, but also that it came into your bedroom. And, you know, when you're in your house, I mean, even your friends don't go in your bedroom when they come over, right? That's like your sacred space, right? You don't go in there. So to think that something's in there when you're 100% vulnerable sleeping, that's pretty scary stuff, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm on, yeah, I'm on, that's, that makes you put salt along the uh, windowsills and, and that kind yeah. of stuff, right? <laughs> I knew this guy, I knew this guy, I can't, like, I only met him a couple of times, can't remember his name, but he had a tattoo right here on his chest. It was the, it was the demon protection tattoo from uh, Supernatural. <laughs> and, and, and I was like, oh, do you like the show? He said, well, I love the show, but I also don't want to be possessed. I was like, okay. And, um, wow. <laughs> but uh so so do you have any 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 like, you and i we've talked about it so for the audience what what shows uh supernatural-esque paranormal-esque shows uh do you gravitate to that you're watching and it's uh maybe intriguing and and and, and um you think back on all the all the experiences you've had different things you may have studied um or maybe you just look at it and laugh and be like nope that's not real you know, I don't really watch a lot of the paranormal investigation shows I did back in the day. I watched the Ghost Hunters for a long time. Yeah. And, you know, the, the left brain side of me was like, I don't know if it's real. I don't know if they've doctored the footage. And I couldn't get past that. And yeah. I said, well, I've had enough experiences and I can have more experiences of my own. So I focused on those. But, you know, Supernatural, you talked about, that show is, is that, Eric Kripke wrote that and, or he produced it and directed it. I'm not sure if he wrote it, but the idea for this show was the five season arc. Yeah. And they, and it, it was just, the first five seasons are just amazing. The way it starts and, and, and how it ends and the story is just fulfilling, amazing. It's real life and it's paranormal and it's metaphysical and it's all these things. And I remember thinking how satisfying it must've been for this guy to take this five season story and bring it to life and be able to do that. And now they're finishing their, 15th season which is their last season but that those first five seasons um they th that just got to me emotionally i'm getting emotional just thinking about because i was like that's what i want i want my story out there and i want the full story you know yeah. not just a season of in, you know book one i want everything out there but that show really did just a fantastic job of bringing all those elements of the paranormal the metaphysical pulling on lore you know, the whole demon protection tattoos. I mean, when, when I look up the stuff that's on there, it's like, yeah, they're pull I see where they're pulling from. And yeah. they take some, you know, liberties with it, sure, for the fact of storytelling and to make it more exciting. I mean, sure, that makes sense. But it's based in some sort of experience. I mean, they even had a Krampus episode, which was, it's just freaking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, that's that's one, honestly one of my favorite shows. Like when it, there's, there's really not, there's, oh, I can only think of one season that was a miss for me, and that was the Leviathan season. I was just going to say, I, I think, my, if I remember correctly, they thought they were canceled after five, but they had told their story. And then CW or, maybe, was it UPN back then? I don't even remember. Was, uh, but I, WB back then. Oh, WB, there you go. 
And they said, okay, you know, we want you back. And they were like, they had to scramble to put that season together. And it wasn't hateful, but it was nowhere near the caliber of what we had just watched in the first well, five. The first five seasons were They're phenomenal. Like, and uh, then they finally started to climb back up. And yeah, yeah so. No, and, that, and so what you were talking about, like with, with your stories and wanting to flesh them out similarly to how they, similarly, sorry, to how they, they did with Supernatural. I always like, and you know this about me, like I always like to work with the people that I know, the people I love, the people I care about. Um, and so that's like a dream of mine is to work with you to bring um, your stories to life. Like at some point, uh, and we've talked about me writing um, a, a screenplay with you for, for one of your, with one, for one of your books. And I still want to do that. Um, I just, I can't wait for that day that we can work together on something to bring, bring it to life on, on, in terms of screen. Oh, I love, yeah, and me too. And, you know, one of those things, just like anything, you don't want to force anything when, when the energies are ready to align creatively and you're yeah. both able to give, you know, then that's when you, you don't force it. Right. Cause you don't want to make, you want it to be the best it can be. So yeah. yeah, when two artists come together and, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, artists are, were solo acts, mm -hmm. you know, by nature, you know, Van Gogh didn't have a buddy next to him, mm -hmm. right? He was doing it himself. Yeah. So for, for, to sort of say, he, he, here's some of my creative license, take it. It's like, no, that's mine. <laughs> you know, you can't have any of that, mm -hmm. um, but you got to trust and, and know that other people have a different perspective and they can enhance, not change or alter, but, you know, enhance what you're doing. And you got to have the confidence in, 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 your, in the person you're working with. But yeah, I mean, I love collaborative stuff. I love seeing that on TV. When I see two different people wrote something together, I'm like, wow, how did they do that? Because <laughs> I've never sat down and wrote with somebody. I'm like, these guys must be super good friends. <laughs> well, and, that, and, that, and that's always, that's always and, and uh, you know, we, we, we've had this, this conversation, but you, you, that's always a fear, too, of, of harming the friendship, um, which happens. Sure. And, and we both know that happens. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, I think we can, we can make something good together for sure. Um, and, and I can't wait for that. Um, so let's, let's talk about, let's talk about your, your day gig, which is, uh, how we met. So 2016, 17, 17, Seven, 2017, uh, I was working, uh, for one, um, grocery company and I left that grocery company to uh can we say the name I don't know <laughs> <laughs> um let's just say all good things about the place and we'll be fine um <laughs> so I, I left Publix and I and I, I I went to work for a new uh grocery company can, can I say it what do you think yeah okay so I, I left Publix to go work for Sprouts uh, to open their first store um in uh, in Florida which is uh in Carrollwood in Tampa um, and that is where I met Gare. Gare was my boss. Um, and I'll say this, like when I met you, um, I think there's always going to be between a, an employee and a boss uh, in terms of the employee, a little bit of maybe trepidation um, there. But when I met you, like there was no like trepidation. Like I, I, like, I thought you were a good dude. I thought you were cool. I trusted you and I liked you. And uh, I just knew we'd work well together. Um, that was my experience when I first met you when we were practically just building the store. Yeah. You know, it was interesting because I had, I didn't come from the grocery industry. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'd, I'd worked in the pet industry for, you know, I don't know, 12, 13 years. So 
I, I really had a lot to learn and, and that store broke records for the company. So it was super busy, as you know, and I don't know, there were know, 180 of us running around bumping into each other trying to figure out what was happening. But I, I, I have a distinct memory of, and I think you were getting ready to leave and go back to your other job or you got a new job. But I remember you stopping me and saying, hey, I didn't realize you were creative. Mm -hmm. And I just, I had never heard it put that way before. And I and I was like, what? And and you told me about your experience, and I was like, oh, I was like, that's pretty cool. And it's sort of like, I was like, oh, I'm part of a cool club. I didn't even know I was in. That's pretty neat. <laughs> I, <remember laughs> I loved I loved how you worded it. I just I, I was like, yeah. that's awesome, you know, because there's as and we forget this, but there's always so much more to everyone we meet. And it doesn't, mm -hmm. you know, they're not saying they have some major skill, but they, they have a passion or they have a, this other life or just whatever it is that they endeavor to do or, or, or love in life. And there's always something else to somebody, but unfortunately we have this tendency to sort of like put them in a category and think we know everything about them right yeah. out of the gate. And that's not the case by any means. So I had no idea you were a child actor and you rapped and then you were, I was later going to be in a movie you made. If you told me that day that all that, I was like, okay, I don't know who you are, but get back to work. You're very <laughs> I forget her name. It was, she, she was a cashier and she also worked in the deli and she was telling me, she's like, oh my God, I'm so excited. Uh, I, I'm, Gary's an author and he, he writes my favorite theme type of books and he, he, he grabbed one from his trunk and he gave it to me and I'm going to read it and I'm so excited. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. He writes books. I need to talk to him. Um, I, I, I remember that so vividly. And I did keep books in my trunk. I sure did. <laughs> and that, that, there's a rapper in you because rappers keep CDs in their trunks. You know, any time that, um, I think I was in Tennessee on vacation last October and somebody caught us outside of Dollywood and he, <laughs> he had a CD and I don't even, you know, I never listened to it. I don't, I don't know. I, but I bought it because I was going to, I don't care what this is. I'm going to support you. Starving yeah. artist, right? I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm going to support this guy. <laughs> So, so you still, you're, you're, you're the store manager uh, at Sprouts Farmers Market, which if, if anybody works in, in the grocery industry, you know that the, these store managers work insane amount of hours and have a lot of responsibility. So, you know, I wanted to mention this um, just because I think it's a, there's a very interesting dichotomy where you work such a um, heavy full-time job uh, while also pursuing your creative passion. So can you tell me what that dichotomy is like for you and your brain experience in it? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who are working a, a day job, hoping that one day they can reach whatever level of whatever it is they want to do. So what has sure. that experience been for you? Well, you know, I'm a human being too. And, you know, I'm, I'm prone to the same behaviors as anybody else, you know, it, just because I've, I've found some discipline over the last, you know, eight or nine years um, doesn't, you know, go back to the days when I was working out, you know, I was traveling five states. I had every excuse in the book not to work out, but I carved out five days a week and I made it happen. And, and I saw the physical results and it was absolutely worth the effort for many years. So when it came to writing, you know, I don't have time to write. Well, you had time to go to the gym five days a week. So you certainly have time to write. So it doesn't matter if you're working 40, 50, 60 hours, you can make it happen. Maybe it's one less episode of Supernatural that day or that week. Um, you know, one less, you know, sitting home watching, you know, reality TV with a couple glasses of wine. You know, you, you can make it happen. So what do you want? Right. What is it you really want when, when, if you were to pass tomorrow, you know, what do you want to leave behind that you, you know, got through that Netflix series? 
you know, is that really, you know, watching or that you wrote something and realized something for yourself. And, and when I write, I do it for me. And I, I yes, I, I have a goal if I could do it full time and, and support myself, then absolutely, that would be amazing. I'd love to work the hours I work at Sprouts, but in writing, and that is the goal. Right. But it's all about discipline. And but there are days mentally, I don't have it in me. And like I said before, you don't force, you know, the creative process, it's got to come out. Um, but there are days where I'm like, okay, I mean, I think I've watched enough Hulu. I think I should probably go and type a few things out on the computer and make it happen. So that's what it, that's it. I mean, I, I'm not saying that I'm, I don't want to let this come out wrong, but we're all more than what we do a lot of, I think, and we know that. And if we are lucky enough to identify that passion and then it's up to us to carve out the time to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And the rewards are more than worth it, at least in my experience. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so you're actually, when I called you, uh, you were, you were writing and I interrupted that and I apologize. Um, <laughs> um okay. you're, you're, you're working on a new, on a new book, a new novel. Uh, well, can you, can you tell us anything about it? Yeah, sure. Um, so, oh God, yeah, I'm actually overdue for, I was supposed to go out last year and you know, with <laughs> everything going on in the world, I, I think I get a pass on this one. So, right. but yeah, I, um, put out a book, uh. 2018 called uh, Ghost Crimes and it was based on it's a it's a fictional story it's an however what's that an amazing story thank you um it's a it's a fictional narrative with case police cases that are based on actual cases and it chronicles um detective burke through about um in 18 or 20 years and he experiences reluctantly a lot of paranormal, metaphysical um, uh, cases um, that result in some pretty horrific things and really mess up his life. And I had reached out to a lot of first responders and gotten some, hey, hey this is what happened to me and that's what happened to me. And I took those stories and then there's even a story from my childhood in there. And then I weave them into um, his life. And it, it came out so well and, and on, on the Audible book, um, some one of my friends listened to it and he said, I really enjoyed it because the narrator sounded like, I don't know if you can remember, you're very young, but it was a show called Dragnet and it was very, you know, this is what happened on this date and this time, you know, it was very, you know, official sounding. And so it read like a police report. Mm -hmm. And um, I was very proud and, and that was the only, it was the second book to go to number one in several categories, number one new release on amazon.com. I was very proud of it, did very well. And so I'm writing Ghost Crimes 2, and it picks up where about a year after where the last book left off. And so I've got all new cases and experiences for these guys. And, and I, I brought three characters together um, at the very end of the first book. And so they're starting out together in this one. So in the other book, they were separate and alone dealing with it. Now they banded together. And so it's, 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 it's a lot of fun, but it's hard to write for three or four hours one day and then not write for five days yeah. because that's out of your head now. So I almost have to do a refresher. So I've learned uh, now that things are simmering down out there, I'm putting my days off back to back so I can get that little stretch of time. So you learn how to make things happen with your schedule and your responsibilities, that sort of thing. Well, I'll, I'll, I don't think I've ever even said this to you. Um, but after reading Ghost Crimes, to me, what it was reminiscent of, because I always, when I read a book, um, 
when a lot of the books I read are like autobiographical, but when I read like a, a fiction, um, I always try, I always like paint that picture in my head of like how it would come off on screen. And especially because we have talked about um, a screenplay for this. To me, it comes off like um, HBO's True Detective slash Netflix's Mindhunter meets Supernatural. And I, I that, that's how it, it meshes in my head. What do you, how does that sound to you? Yeah, exactly. And it's funny you say True Detective because that was the very first thing I thought when I sent it to you and, and you read it. And originally I said, okay, let's just make this a movie. And you were like, well, what about doing, you know, shows, you know, several episodes because they are separate case files yeah. and they can stand alone even though they weave together. And I yeah. was like, wow, I hadn't thought about that. And the first thing that popped in my head was True Detective. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I actually, I actually like that more than the, uh, than the movie idea. Yeah. So <clears throat> the second one is actually not formatted that way. Um, so I'm not sure if that would be able to follow that or not, but I'm only about seven or eight chapters into it right now. So I'm not sure, but we'll see. Yeah, no, I can't wait to read it because that, that first book was, was amazing. And to anybody listening, please pick it up because I, I, I vouch for it. I know at, like, if, if you were to read it, you all would love it. Yeah, it's, um, there's, it's, it's, it's a little graphic in places, but I had to pay, you know, I had to be true to the story and what had happened and, and some of the horrific thing that happens are very important to the character's development. So I had to, you know, I had to get all the senses to experience what happened in there. Yeah. To this day, by the way, I still think we should, I don't know if it's a book, I don't know if it's a screenplay. I still think that you and I should write um, uh, an employee of the month-esque, uh, you know, film uh, or book uh, based on our experiences at Sprouts because <laughs> we have some very, we've had some very interesting uh, employees there. <laughs> wow. You know, <laughs> there were some t troubling days. I tell you, I had I had one of those days yesterday. I went home and I was just shaking my head. I think I was still shaking my head when I walked through the door, you know, 25 minutes later after leaving work. But I, I thought the same thing. And I, at first I was like, oh, I need to write a book about what happened. And I said, no, I don't want to give it that much time. I want to focus <laughs> on my paranormal, right? And yeah. I want to give work even more time outside of work. Yeah. And then I said, well, maybe I could just write an article, you know, and kind of <laughs> some funny points. And mm -hmm. I said, you know what? Actually, no, I think a movie where it literally I walk through the doors at the beginning of the movie and I walk out of the doors at the end of the movie and just all the nonsense in between would just, yeah, I mean, would be, <laughs> you know, you have a, you know, 80 to 90 employees to get through in that two hours, right? So mm -hmm. there's a, there's so much material <laughs> that we can pull from, right? Like the story that the, 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 uh, the memory that always comes to mind is the, 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 um, the cashier who wasn't great at cashiering, who was then moved to the bulk department, but was allergic to peanuts. Um, <laughs> but yet shoved her hands into the container of peanuts, only to come to me a moment later, blown up like a balloon. <laughs> and then after I do, I get her all, all the antihistamines and then that she needed her. I don't even know, whatever it is we got her. And then she holds up her finger and there's just blood pouring. And she, oh, we should probably do something about this too. And I, I said, how'd you cut yourself? And she said, on a, uh, on a paper cutter. And I said, a paper cutter. <laughs> I, I don't, oh man, I don't even know. I think that was an hour and a half just to get all that taken care of. And yeah, she. <laughs> Funny you remember that. <laughs> I know she's just. I, 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 could, I can never forget her because. 
she used to annoy the living hell out of me every day. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, what, what advice would you have um, for any of the starving artists out there? You know, I, I have a friend of mine, Joni Mahan, and she's an amazing friend. She's, I call her a super author. I think she's up to 20 something books that she's published and that she has many more that she has, she's written and not published. And we both worked for um, the same company in the re same regional job and both got laid off at the same time. So our paths were very similar. And we didn't realize the other, each other wrote until we got laid off. It's just craziest <laughs> thing. But that brought us together. And she's an editor. She's an author. She does, she's just all around amazing. But it's interesting is she chose to, she, she works from home and she does ghost walks in her town of uh, New Harmony, Indiana, you know, haunted town. And she does all, all these crazy things to make ends meet. And mm -hmm. I chose to get the, you know, classic, you know, retail gig, you know, with the benefits and all that. And, and the safe way, I guess, is the best way to put it. Mm -hmm. And so we're both trying to make our dreams happen, you know, from, so our, our, our conversations are interesting from our different perspectives. But mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how you carve out the time or, or how you make things happen. But, you know, some people say, oh, you took easy, you took a job, you know, no, you try working 55, 60 hours a week and trying to, to write. You know, Joni might have a little more time, but she's struggling, you know, with, you know, the everyday benefits and things like that. Um, but she makes it happen. So with regard to writing, just write, just start. Because once you start, then it'll keep going and you'll, you'll, you'll get your own way and your own process. And, you know, for me, I do an outline. I know exactly where I'm going in the next chapter. Joni literally just writes and it flows out of her with no outline. So it doesn't matter. We're, we're completely different in how we do things, but you just got to do it and yeah. make sure you got some food in the fridge. So that is unfortunately the number one. <laughs> so you still got to make, you still got to eat or you're not going to be able to write. But yeah, just, just do it. Don't, don't get rid of the excuses and just do it. It's no different than people that, you know, want to exercise, you know, you can do it. Like I said, one less TV show, you know, one less hanging out with the friends, you know, whatever it is you're doing, you know, you still want to do those things because they're therapeutic, yeah. but you can still carve out the time. Even an hour a week is something. It means you're doing it, right? Yeah. And you are a writer, by the way. If you've written something, you're a writer. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say if I've learned anything, it's to quit working out and just work on my cre cre creativity. I didn't say that. <laughs> You know me, I don't work out anyway, so it's okay. It's <laughs> I miss it, I miss it dearly, but I do remember when I, after I was laid off and I was writing, I looked at the, the, the clock and it was time to meet my friend at the gym and I distinctly remember the moment I had a choice. Mm -hmm. I could spend two hours at the gym or write for two more hours and I wrote. And I remember that moment, that's when I turned the corner and yeah. I made this, I made writing a priority. Yeah, that's amazing. And I, so you, you made me think of, um, so you were at the premiere for for a dream, but Jonah was on tour, so he couldn't he couldn't go. So I had brought the film to his house to watch with him and his family because he hadn't got to see the, the final product. And uh, I don't I don't want to give any spoilers out there, but you know how it ends. Uh, our uh, my Eddie's conflict with you, uh, not really a conflict, but the the you know how that ends. And um, so the the Jonah and his family they're like all right quitting my job tomorrow, hashtag do it for Eddie. And uh, <laughs> so uh, you made me think of that. <laughs>
<laughs> that is not the message that I wanted to send. <laughs> no, no, you didn't. You didn't. It just made me think of it. But no, you're 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 absolutely right, and that's and that's something that, I mean, I I, I was recently laid off, and you know that, um, and so I've had more time to 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 focus on this podcast, more time to focus on acting and writing, and um, so like I I just. Uh, the the my second screenplay is finished. Um, it's called uh, Divine Tragedy, which was teased at the end of a dream. Um, and, uh, and and no, you're absolutely right. So having that having that time, um, and even when when I was still working, it's like when I came home, I'm an actor, so I like to watch movies and TVs. I can sit down and binge Sons of Anarchy, or I can write the next thirty pages of the script. And it's a, it's a decision to make. And uh, yeah, so you're absolutely right. And uh, Gary, I just want to thank you for coming on. This was a blast. I haven't seen you in, in a while. So uh, it's good to see you face to face. And we got to go out to lunch. I tried yesterday, but you told me no. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> I was right. working. I know, I know. You know, I give you a hard time any, any chance I get. Um, but uh, look, Gary, I love you, man. Thank you for coming on. Uh, this, was, this was awesome. And uh, you want to let the people know where they can find find your book follow you on, uh, online yep so thank you i appreciate it um so you can follow me on uh, instagram and facebook it's gare allen and you can go to my website uh, gareallen.com but all of my books are available on amazon.com um, kindle paperback and they're all on audiobook now as well awesome awesome all right well that is uh, another episode of starving artists and we will catch you guys next week peace